all amazed so that they questioned among themselves saying, What is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits and they obey him. Mark chapter 1 verse 27. In the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. I can't begin before saying how good it is to see your faces again. I've really missed you, uh, and it's really good to be back amidst uh, my church family. Um, as a sort of welcome back sermon, I've picked a rather unlikely topic uh, to, to preach on this morning, demons, <laughs> or as St. Mark uh, calls them here, unclean spirits. I think it's um, really important to, sort of, as a prefatory word to remember that famous quote by C.S. Lewis about Christian reflection on demons. He writes, There are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. Those are two errors uh, I intend to avoid this morning, uh, but they are two errors that as a culture we fall into all the time. On the one hand, if you were to go around sort of in your workplace, imagine, or with your friends and sort of casually just mention the demons, uh, people would think you were crazy. <laughs> um, but that is in fact how the gospel writers speak. They regularly are me mentioning uh, the unseen things, including the demons. You actually can't hardly turn a page in the Gospels without seeing Jesus taking on a demon in some way or another. And as in the Gospels, so it has been for long Christian centuries. Um, the faithful have often and always sort of recognized um, the spiritual, uh, the existence of spiritual beings uh, the, in the sort of candid tones in which we today might speak about bad weather. It really exists, it is coming against us, and we have every confidence that we won't be defeated by it. Right? But they, they would speak about demons as real as you and I would speak about an incoming snowstorm. But these days, in this sort of, this sort of unbelieving secular age, as it's been called, um, the demons aren't really mentioned at all. I actually Googled on the New York Times, tried to search, sort of, do popular writers ever mention them as not just sort of like a a metaphorical slur or something, you know, like, oh, that guy's a real demon or something. Uh, and no, unsurprisingly, the answer is the New York Times have not mentioned demons in the last several decades. Um, in culture, and even in sort of respectable churches, they sometimes are not mentioned very often. So on the one hand, we make the one mistake, but at this one and the same time, as a culture, we also make the opposite mistake. There are thousands of horror films and scary novels that try and tell tales of demons to spook us for some sort of weird, dark entertainment. Um, I've never seen the movie The Exorcist, and nor will I, um, because I don't think that, de in fact, I actually am certain that demons um, are not the uh, appropriate subject for a movie made by Hollywood people for our entertainment to eat popcorn while we're watching. Demon possession is a real thing and not a fitting subject for an edifying movie. Uh, I actually think sort of our preoccupation with horror films and things is that opposite mistake C.S. Lewis talks about, sort of being fascinated and kind of titillated by these stories of demons. So trying to avoid both of these errors, I actually just want to say uh, three things about demons this morning. The first and the most important thing is how they relate to God. 
The second thing is what they are up to, what they can do. And the third thing is what our response is. What's our counterattack? How do we respond to the reality of demons? So when speaking about evil things, um, it's really important to begin by locating how they relate to God and his world. It's really important to know that demons are created things. They actually have much, much more in common with you or me than they have in common with God. Right? One of the, a great mistake in theology would be to think that they are some sort of like antagonist to God. No, 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 no. They're antagonists to us. As the scriptures clearly reveal in these sort of um, deep prophecies in Ezekiel and Revelation, um, demons were once good angels who rebelled against God, and whatever their nature is, it's unredeemable in the way that humans are redeemable. When we fall into wickedness, God offers us mercy and a second chance. And however the world, he's made the world, demons are not that way. They don't have a second chance. When they rebelled against God, they sort of received this permanent state um, of being uh, enemies of, of what is good. And um, we, we know also from Revelation that on the last day, uh, God will lock them all up and punish them forever. There's actually going to be justice meted out against the wickedness that they do and that their sort of this temporary season where they are given permission to hurt God's creation uh, will come to an end. But that is the season we're living in right now. It's a season where God has mysteriously, for a reason we do not know, given permission for the enemy uh, to attack his good creation. But this isn't the only dynamic at play with regards to God and the demons. He does give them permission uh, to hurt his creation, as we see in the Gospels and in, and in life. But we also see in the Gospels that God is now on sort of an offensive attack against them. Every time a demon comes into contact with Jesus in the Gospels, they're terrified. They know exactly sort of who has all the power, God, and what his will is against them. Listen, listen to how the demon speaks in verse 24. What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? They recognize his intent that the goodness is against them. I think, um, if you know me a little bit, you've learned that I, I love Tolkien, um, and I love the movie adaptations of The Lord of the Rings that came out a few years ago. And I, I always think of that scene in the second film when Gandalf comes over the hill, and it's like this blazing light, just driving back these sort of minions of darkness. And that is sort of what we see in the ministry of Jesus. It's this sort of aggressive light pushing away what is dark. When Jesus took on flesh and when he died on the cross and conquered evil, his whole ministry in life is sort of the beginning of the turning of the tides. That until Jesus came, you know, Jesus actually refers to Satan as the prince of this earth. But now that Jesus has right, rightly been given the, that title, he is now the, the Lord of heaven and earth, um, there is an offensive at work, and it began in Jesus' ministry. As Jesus says in John chapter 12, Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. So that's what we see time and time in the, gospel, in the Gospels, the demons being driven out. And we see Jesus telling his disciples to continue that ministry, and through all of Christian history, we see missionaries coming into foreign lands, into darkness, bringing the light of the gospel and exercising demons from people and from sort of the, whole, the strongholds that they've had on the earth. Jesus reveals in his ministry and through the ministry of his people um, 
that the tides have turned, there is now this offensive attack and the darkness is losing. The light is winning. Jesus has all authority. The demons we see um, in both the Gospels and in Christian testimony throughout the ages, um, they're powerless to Christians because Christians have Jesus living within them and Jesus has all authority over every creature, spiritual or, or human. So that's the really important sort of big backdrop. You know, when you read the Gospels and you're seeing all this stuff about demons, to realize that, oh yeah, that's sort of the big picture of what's at play and the most important thing that could be said before kind of then speaking into a few smaller details. Having affirmed it, though, um, I want to say to you just a couple things to be aware about. You know, Paul says in one of his letters, um, we are not ignorant of our enemy's designs. And I think, you know, that there would be a danger to be so too interested in what demons do, certainly. Um, but there's also danger in sort of, you can't fight an enemy if you don't know what he is and one of the sort of the characteristic things he is doing, or they are doing. Um, so what we see from the Gospels is that demons um, possess people. They tempt to sin, as we see uh, Jesus being tempted in the wilderness. And they also hurt creation. We see a man who can't speak because of a demon. We see pigs who are driven crazy and run into the lake because of the demons. Um, so I want to just kind of talk briefly about each of these. I want to say a thing about um, possession. It, we see it all the time in the Gospels. It is still a real thing. Thankfully, because of the spread of the Gospel throughout all lands, it's less actually, I think, common now than it was back then. Uh, and a really important thing to say is that if you are a Christian, if you've been baptized and have faith in Jesus, um, you can't be possessed. You are actually already full of the Holy Spirit, so there's no space for an evil spirit. So one of the things you might think is sort of reading this, like, oh, could that happen to me? The answer is no. If you have the Holy Spirit living in you, um, your cup is already full, and the enemy cannot um, sort of control you, as it were, as we see in the, with these poor souls in the gospel stories. Um, that's not the case for those who aren't Christians, right? The Bible is really clear. There's like two categories of human beings, children of light and children of darkness. That if your cup is not already full with Jesus, then actually you could potentially be sort of nudged along by the, the devil's promptings. Uh, and frankly, it doesn't appear this way with the sort of glossy sheen that the enemy puts on everything in the world. Um, but it's actually an ultimately scary reality to be living in this world without Christ Jesus. That there are these spiritual beings that without Christ Jesus you wouldn't have refuge in um, up to, to be protected from. Um, so, yeah, as Christians, uh, possession is not a problem, uh, mercifully. Um, it is still the case that demons can attack us all the time. Uh, and it can be in sort of subtle ways, which we might not even notice, or dramatic ways. And I think, you know, among the subtle ways... Jesus names very clearly that the enemy comes to, uh, rob, to rob, kill, and destroy, and that he's the father of lies. And like one of the chief ways in which we are, whether we know it or not, sometimes bumping into demonic attack is through lies and fear. Um, and so let me just give kind of two, put some skin on that in two different ways. Um, when it comes to lies it's sort of just a natural part of human existence to struggle with the things of faith. Like to sort of think like, ah, I don't know, like, Lord, I'm trying to believe this. Like, the Lord has infinite mercy on sort of genuine struggling with the things of faith. But sometimes, and maybe you've had this experience, 
thoughts kind of cross over beyond struggling into sort of this brazen sort of um, doubt's not the right word, but it's brazen like disbelief. So it's like, oh, maybe God's not even real at all. Or, ah, I don't know if God can forgive my sins. Or whatever, it could be a variety of different lies. Um, But when it becomes sort of brazen like that, often that's the enemy whispering something to us. That's not, if you're a Christian, your heart has been made new. Those things aren't coming up from within you. Um, They're coming in uh, from attack from outside. And recognizing them as such allows us to sort of rightly defend against it and to pray, God, rescue me from this. Save me from these lies. Same thing with things that might scare us. Um, The enemy tries to bring fear. And we can rightly pray, Lord, um, save me from this fear. Like, I don't know why my spirit is so troubled, but I need you to strengthen my heart in this scary time. The, uh, I'll say just one more thing about that. The, well, no, actually, I feel led that I'm going to skip that part and go to the next thing. So that's the chief work of the enemy is encouraging fear and lies. Um, and our recourse of what we are to do when we experience these things uh, is pray, right? The, the scriptures time and time again t- describe Jesus as our stronghold, uh, as you know, that we hide under the shadow of his wings, that he is sort of the one who will fight for us, and the way we kind of run to him for that protection is through prayer. And it, what sort of is uh, a cycle is... As you start praying, you start becoming more aware of the spiritual realities that are at play in the world and in our own lives. And prayer gets kind of sharpened. It actually is sort of ever-increasing cycle. And if you add fasting to your prayer, you know, the occasional skipping of a meal to sharpen the focus of your prayers, um, Jesus says that's actually even more part of really engaging and fighting against the darkness, being one of his sort of ambassadors to push against the darkness in the world. Uh, prayer is our recourse. That's why, you know, it's no accident that Jesus put in the prayer, the Lord's Prayer that he taught us, um, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Lord, rescue me from these things. So we pray in that for ourselves and for our nation uh, and at all times. Prayer is our chief weapon against the, reality, against the demons. And I think um, if you... If you uh, take seriously the world as the Gospels reveal it, and you do flee to God in prayer against the the fear and the lies and the attacks of the enemy, you actually get to experience what I said at the beginning, that God is infinitely more powerful than anything that is dark. Uh, And that actually turns what could be this sort of arena, if it's held at arm's length, that might seem kind of scary, like, oh, demons, and what is this? (coughs) When you actually engage with it, because it is happening, you get to experience, oh no, like, God, you've, you've brought peace to my heart when I was sort of confusingly afraid and troubled. And you've spoken truth in some deep place that hasn't ended all my struggles, but it's pushed lies further away. Um, and you actually get to experience that same wonder that the disciples experienced of seeing that God is real and the demons are real and God is infinitely stronger than them. And we are on his side and he's on our side. Uh, and so it, it, it stops being a thing that's kind of, oh, what is this weird, scary thing? It just becomes a part of the normal Christian life, like bad weather in, in bodily life, uh, and something that actually we can take joy in, so that the Lord often and always will rescue us from the enemy's attacks. 
So that's my, my hope and my prayer that when you encounter gospel lessons like we heard this morning and hear about demons, um, that you'd remember that they are real and just cling all the more tightly to Jesus for that. And that you get to experience that joy of, of, of seeing his strength, God's strength through you uh, in the midst of our battle. He commands even the unclean spirits and they obey him. I can see the wonder on the disciples' faces and I pray that that might be yours as well. Amen.